0: Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2 FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Good afternoon. And what about that little bit of rain we had last night and yesterday
1: afternoon? It just sort of washed everything away, made it all fresh and lovely again. It did. It was like a spring day yesterday. It certainly was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, beautiful out walking, lots of people around the plants. They're going to be blooming. They're going to love it.
0: I think it's summer already. Not quite, though. No, not, not quite. quite so Sorry, it. it would be a heatwave in England, though. Scott Sharp, what have you got for us today?
1: Well, we've had an email from uh, Brenda. She's got some problems with her osmanthus heaven scent. We'll talk about that. Uh, a garbage are flowering at the moment in the garden, so we'll also talk about what's happening with them. And if you've got some moss in the lawn after the cold winter, we'll try and sort that out for you as well.
0: All right, get, a bit, get rid of some moss if yes. we can. And Scott, we got an email from Brenda early in the week. Yeah, love getting emails from
1: uh, listeners. Uh, It sort of brightens up my day. Really? When I'm not here, I still get little questions. It's very nice. Nice. Nice to be always, uh, I guess, wanted. Well, and thought of at least. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not needed, but thought of. Yeah, so look, Brenda has emailed in. She has got an Osmanthus Heaven Scent. And they're a little plant from China. They get to about uh, one and a half to two metres tall around here in Newcastle. A pretty tough little plant, actually. Uh, But the the main thing about them is that they have a, a really beautiful fragrance. Okay, right. Yeah, they get a, they've got a white flower. They're actually from China. Look, they're a member of the olive family. I guess that's what makes them so tough in a way. Uh, but it is that that white flower and that scent that they get. Uh, she's been having some problems. Apparently, it
0: hasn't been flowering properly, and therefore she's not getting the lovely smells. All right. So you go. Can you rub them all over your neck? Can you do that? Whoa, whoa, whoa What? <laughs> like you use it as your own deodorant, I guess.
1: I guess you could do that, or, or just to tie a little
0: wreath and just walk around with it. Not a bad idea. Not a
1: bad idea at all. It would smell very nice. I'm going to suggest to Brenda getting some sulphate of potash because she wants to promote the flowering of the plant, uh, make sure it's well watered. Uh, Look, they are, I I guess they prefer, um, Now they will grow in this area here, you know, from Brisbane all the way down the coast. So, um, yeah, not a problem to get them growing here in Newcastle. But I think that sulphate of potash, Brenda, is going to be the big thing for you. Uh, Maybe a little light prune back as well just to uh, try and, uh, you know, sort of snap it out of its uh,
0: hibernation and yep. get it going again. So, yeah, a little prune back, some uh, sulphate of potash, and you should get some blooms out of that come spring. Excellent advice. And, of course, if you want to email Scott Sharp any questions outside of the hours, gardening at 2 Not too late at night, though. Not too late at night. <laughs> We've got Peter now from Mary-Lair, Maryville, and he's got a question about repotting at plants and potting mix. Good afternoon, Peter. How can we help you?
2: Hi, Scott. Um, yeah, look, I, I read somewhere where potting mix in pots actually – dies, in inverted commas, um, and really it's just there to support the plant and not really giving it any nutrients, even though if you're putting fertiliser into that pot, it just goes straight through. Is that true? Should I be worried about repotting some but, I I mean, certainly the potting mix level has dropped right down since I originally potted them.
1: Yeah, look, it, it is a problem, I guess. Um, Potting mix is a great thing, but it, it's, a, it's a natural product. It's mainly from, you know, there's mixture of pine bark, sand, uh, other uh, you know, elements in there that are put in there, fertilizers as well. Yeah. And eventually it does run out or, or die, I guess. It can also just be generally replaced by the root system of the plant as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just uh, it breaks down over time uh, because it is an organic product. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things you can do is just pull that plant out, give it a gentle root prune and repot it into some fresh mix. Yeah. Um, you can also just you know, keep on generally fertilising and in a way just sustain the plant that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think as far as just topping up the potting mix though, it's not always the best thing because it, it's just putting a layer of potting mix over the top. So if you yeah. can pull the plant out, give it a gentle root prune and then some potty mix back all around it. That is the best way to go. Uh, uh, and uh, so have, have you been generally fertilising the uh, the plant?
2: Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got a huge maraea hedge which is planted in the ground and it's fantastic, but we just thought we'd do some maraeas in pots to go along a side fence to hide a bit of fencing and that sort of thing rather than going for the big hedge. And they're generally going all right, but... I have noticed the level of potting mix dropping down and um, just thought I'd give you a call to see whether it's worthwhile doing it. I mean, I I did what you suggested recently with some mandevillas Mm -hmm. and expected them to croak it. But they have come back bigger and better and stronger than ever.
1: Yeah, they will. Look, the other thing that happens with potting mix as well is it becomes hydrophobic, and, and by that I mean that the water just you know it repels the water like a yeah. soil soil can if it becomes too dry, and it just runs straight down through the pot. So yeah. refreshing the potting mix is also a, a great way of curing uh, you know that problem. Uh, just generally though, you can use wetting agents like saturate. Uh, yeah. It's a powder. You can get liquid forms as well. And just, you know, regularly using that keeps those, uh, you know, the, the potting mix, it stops being hydrophobic so it can absorb that moisture and therefore the, the minerals and elements that the plant needs back into the, uh, into the soil and then into the root system of the plant.
2: Okay, all right. Um, so it would now be the right time of the year before it gets too hot to, to do that?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's, it's a really good time of year now. We know that it's going to start to get warmer. We had some evidence of that, uh, you know, over the weekend. Uh, so we know within the next two or three weeks, you know, the light switch is going to come on. Days are getting longer. So it is a great time to do it, but we're still not incredibly hot. So uh, it gives your plants, you know, two to three months uh, to, you know, get themselves up and running again uh, yeah. and get that root system spread back out after it's been damaged from some, uh, you know, re- root pruning or repotting. And uh, by the time we get to the really hot months, uh, November, December, January, uh, your plants, uh, you know, back at uh, fighting fit level again.
2: Fantastic. And, and give them a, a little bit of a prune at the same
1: time? Yes, do that. So if you are pruning the roots of a plant, you also uh, give the, the foliage a light prune as well. It just reduces any stress on there. It also says to the plant, hey, I want you to, uh, you know, grow some new growth and it'll just look really nice. Uh, probably sit dormant for a couple of weeks until it gets warmer, but uh, after that it will take off for you.
2: Okay. Can I ask one more question, please?
1: Absolute Peter, that's what we're here for, mate.
2: Okay. I also have um five in, in ground. Five um, snow maidens, uh Raphaelopus. Yeah, yeah. And we've probably had them in ground for three years and the rotten things haven't given us a flower yet. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, so raffia leafus, snow maiden, they're a really tough little plant. Uh, They will grow up near the beach. Uh, They will take frost. They will take, you know, strong, salty winds. Uh, As far as uh, not flowering, though, uh, as we're talking uh, about uh, Brenda's osmanthus before, I think some Mm -hmm. sulphate of potash is going to be the way to go just to try and snap it, uh, you know, into some uh, flowering. You know, the other thing I do is I would uh, do a pH test on the soil because... Uh, it could be that you know you might have some you know too alkaline or too acidic soil. You want something around a nice neutral pH uh, yeah. for your raffia leafus, uh, and it could be that it's binding up the elements. You know, if it's too alkaline or too acidic, then the plant actually can't extract those elements out of the soil. So uh, maybe a little yeah. test just to see if you need to alter the pH of the soil is a good thing to do.
2: All right, but otherwise some potash of.
1: Oh, yes, sulfate of potash will promote
0: flowering. Improving. Sulfate of
2: potash, terrific. All right, thanks very okay. much. Okay, appreciate
0: the call. System. Thanks. And we've got Don from Merryweather and she has got an imperial mandarin that just doesn't want to grow. Hello, Don. How can we help you with it?
3: Good afternoon, Scott. Uh, I've got a, a mandarin plant planted in organic soil. It's in a bed about two and a half square metres, and... Um, I have a bottle brush tree about two metres away on the southern side, so whether that has anything to do with it. The plant has done nothing for about two to two and a half years, and I reckon if it was on a cement path, it could not grow less than what it's doing. It has been fertilised, and I've also had sulphate of potash, which I'm a firm believer, as you are, uh, in applying to citrus trees. Uh, my next step is either get the saw out or take it out of the ground.
1: Okay. Now, let's. Uh, so it's been in for a couple of years, has it? Yes. Okay, and it's still, what, just about a metre tall or so? Yeah, but Yeah. it's just
3: doing
1: nothing. Okay, now, t- you said you've got it in a raised, did you say you've got it in a raised garden bed or a garden bed? No, I've
3: got it in a raised garden bed. So I've got a raised bed of about two and a half square metres of organic soil.
1: Okay, that's good. Uh, Uh, So so that
3: it's not relying on the... the, the soil that we have in Merriweather, which you know is absolutely garbage.
1: Yes, and, and look, the trouble in Merriweather is that you dig down a little bit and you know, up on the hill, you get straight into the clay and citrus absolutely hate having wet feet and living in clay. So you've done the right thing by getting it up into the, into the raised garden bed. Uh, now, tell me, you've been fertilising it. What have you been fertilising it with, Don?
3: I think I use citrus uh, citrus fertilizer. Yes, and, and
1: then um, mainly use the sulphate of potash. Okay. Now, sulphate of potash is is great for the uh, like you said the flowering of the plant, but we actually want to get the plant to get some green leaves on it and grow. So we're going to have to give it something uh, you know a little bit different with a little bit more oomph. And the citrus food is great. Uh, but I'm thinking, because it's in that raised garden bed, a lot of the, the goodness, I guess, of the soil might be leaching out and, and running away over time. So I'm thinking to get some poultry manure. And because citrus does love poultry manure, they love alkaline soil. So I would grab some poultry manure and give it a really good feed of that. And I'm like talking about, you know, pretty much the whole bag of poultry manure around the plant. Just pull it away from the stem, of course. Yeah. And dig that lightly through the soil. The other thing I'd probably do is, have you got any garden lime lurking around in the back shed?
3: Yes, uh,
1: there's some kicking around. Okay, I'd give a, a gentle sprinkle with some garden lime as well, because citrus likes slightly alkaline conditions. Uh, so that might, uh, you know, just, you know, unbind some of the the elements and minerals in the soil and get it growing for you, along with that poultry manure. So I think that's your two-pronged approach. Of course, just make sure it's being well watered uh, as well, um, because the water should just be draining away. You won't be getting any pooling or anything in that uh, in that garden bed that no, you've got. Uh,
3: the organic soil that I got in, I won't mention where it came from, but it is a good drop, uh, uh, and it is uh, it doesn't retain pools of water. You know? Yeah. Really
1: sakes into it. Okay, well, look, that's it. that sounds like you've done the right thing there. A couple of years have passed, though, and, you know, a lot of that goodness might have been draining out. So, look, keep up your sulphate of potash. Don't, don't be concerned about using that. But I think it's time that you got some poultry manure um, into, the, into the plant. Uh, and also, if you wanted to, not at the same time, though, continue using that citrus food. Uh, so it might be that, uh, you know, for a couple of months uh, you use some poultry manure, you know, once a month and then again uh, in another month just to try and uh, get that organic matter back into the soil. And then the month after that you would use a, you know, a handful of that citrus food and then uh, just, you know, probably every couple of months then try and alternate, uh, you know, with some poultry manure uh, with some of that citrus food just to try and keep the plant nice and well fed because citrus are very, very heavy feeding plants.
3: Fair enough. Right. Thank you. As a matter of fact, I was going to give it poultry manure yesterday afternoon, but the rain brought
1: that to a halt. Yeah, and and look, poultry manure is high in nitrogen as well, which is what you need to get that green leafy growth uh, on the plant. So it's absolutely the right thing to do. I'm glad you've got an imperial mandarin there because they are the best mandarin, I reckon. they're uh, That lovely puffy skin that they've got, they're so easy to peel um, and and eat. But uh, yeah just that little smattering of garden lime as well I think would be a good thing for you
3: right thanks very much
1: okay and thank you for the call Don appreciate it very much
3: now Scott can I ask you one more absolutely last year uh, I pruned my lemon tree which you did several years ago, and you said, don't ever ask me to come back to this because it had thorns on it
1: two and a half <laughs> inches long. Yeah, look, I just got the, the last one of those out of my, my fingers actually last night, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you've called back. <laughs> well, I've got, uh, so I've got a bone I, to pick I with you. I gave it a
3: good prune last year, yep. and uh, it's, it's decided that it doesn't like me, and it didn't produce... I produce one lemon this year.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: so is is that par for the course that next year it'll come good again?
1: I would say next year it's going to come good. It might have just depended when you pruned it. You might have pruned all that flowering, uh, you know, tissue off there. Uh, again, if you've got some getting some poultry manure, why not give it a feed as well? Yes. Yeah,
3: so that that's what I had the poultry manure for. Yeah. Because I've got several of them up the backyard, as you know, but uh, well, not several of the commons, but yeah, other yeah. other.
1: Citrus trees. Yeah, look, they they love poultry manure, uh, and it's look, it really is just the right thing to give them, especially around the Merriweather area uh, because of that clay soil. But just generally, uh, all
0: citrus love poultry manure.
3: Right, Ad, then, thanks very much. Okay,
0: appreciate it. Thank you, Don. Best of luck. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 49216216. And we've got Graeme from Chisholm, and he's got a question about printing his grevelias. Uh Good afternoon, Graham. How can we help you?
3: Good no, afternoon. Um, yes, I've got some grovelias. They've been, they've been in around about uh, five years. Um, they've overgrown the fence line. They're only supposed to be the three metre high ones. Um, I'm just wondering how heavy I can prune them back when it comes time.
1: Yeah, I'm always, not that you can't prune grevilleas back, but I'm always very cautious about pruning them back too heavily. Uh, you know, so often you see someone that gives an a, an older grevillea, what, you said yours are about five years old? They're
3: yeah, about
2: five
1: yeah. years old. They, they give them a really hard prune and, and that's that for them. They just don't seem to come back for some reason. Uh, so with a grevillea, I'm, I'm always of, of the mind just to give them a almost a light shave over the top. Um, you could, if you wanted to, selectively prune—you uh, know—more heavily some branches. But uh, generally, just giving them a, a full-on hack uh, is not a good thing to do with a grevillea. Uh, certainly, uh, once you've done that, don't fertilise them in any way. You just keep on watering them as normal. Uh, but yeah, I'd be very cautious about uh, you know sort of giving a, a blanket cut to your plants. Uh, just give them a light shave uh, if you want to selectively prune out a couple of branches to reduce some size. But that's about all I would do uh, with yeah. it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, they're they're a good uh, well, they're up on the three meters or a, a bit over now, but they've they're really gone off in the base.
1: Yes, um, okay.
3: And, and all the leaves have just lost, the thing, and they're all they're actually very um, stressed looking, but you know they shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, look, the thing with the crevillia like wattle trees; they only have a you know a certain lifespan uh You know wattles do you know they 'll go for about seven or eight years, and then the bark starts to crack on them. Uh, you know they get pest and disease Gervillas, uh, you know they 'll go a little bit longer, but they you get the same sort of problems so often a good thing to do is in underneath those plants now uh, put in some fresh ones, give them about a year to grow, and then cut out the old ones because they do grow very very quickly so uh, if you have those replacement ones in the ground nearby ready to go then uh, you know, you you won't really notice too much that your hedges disappeared. Okay. All
3: right. Okay. Now I was looking to take around about uh, you know two foot out of them or
4: something, but maybe
1: that's not a good idea. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit too much. If you're saying yours are about three meters, uh, you know, yeah. you know, fifty centimeters, um, you know, yeah. that'd
0: be sort of your max should be taking out of them. Yeah,
3: that's right.
4: Okay.
0: Thanks for your help. Okay. Thanks for the call, Graham. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we've got Sue from Cessnock, and she's got a question about pink diosma. Good afternoon, Sue. How can we help you with your diosma?
2: Hi. I've got um, a, a really bright green diosma, and it's flowering, lots of little pink ones. And then I've got another, I think it's a diosma, that is a darker green, but the same flowers. And I, I'd like to trim them to um, a instead of being unruly and turn them into a shape. Are you able to do that?
1: Yes, you are. So it sounds, Have you got the golden diosma that's sort of a yellowy-green colour?
2: Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah, and, and you've then, got the other
1: normal normal green one, I guess we'll call it.
2: Yeah, and that's tall. That, that's tall. Tall. Yeah. And I'd like to make it a little bit shorter. The, the, the bright green one is fine. I like
1: that shape. So you can do it, um, but you do have to be very, very careful. Now, uh, earlier on, uh, we were talking about pruning back grevilleas. And Mm -hmm. like any native, you have to be very careful pruning back a diosma. Uh, because if you yeah. go too hard with it, it will just die. They just sort of don't come back in a way if you go back to bare uh, bare branches uh-huh. and you get too, uh, you know, overzealous with your pruning. So you do yeah. have to be very careful. I, I'm of a mind with diosmas, Grevilleas, uh that you just almost give them a gentle shave back, uh, uh-huh. You you give them just a little shaping and a, and a cutback, so there's still plenty of green leafy growth on there. You haven't gone back into the into the really hard wood on it because sure as anything, you will kill it if you do that. For some reason, I don't know why they don't like it, but they, they just don't. Uh, so, yeah, just be very careful and, and shave it back if you'd like to. Okay. All
2: right.
1: Thank you. That's all right. And look, that, that's the same with both your golden and your normal green one. If you want to give them a feed as well, uh, with any native, you have to be very careful about what you're feeding them. Uh, you can give uh, some blood and bone. It's probably the safest thing to feed your diasmids with. Uh, just give them a nice sort of gentle uh, I don't know, shake. <laughs> How would you describe that? Almost like a misting of blood and bone in and around the soil, and that'll give them a nice little feed for you.
2: Okay, Ben. Thank you.
1: Okay, not a problem. Thank you for the call.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: That'd be a drizzling. A drizzling. That's probably a better way of thinking about it, isn't it? A dusting. A dusting. Dusting or drizzling. Yes, like some icing sugar. But yeah, look, I've found with blood and bone, if you start putting big lumps down, uh, you think, oh, it's going to wash away, but it doesn't. It uh, gets wet and then it sort of hardens or becomes hydrophobic. And it's very difficult to break it down. So when you're using blood and bone, just a, a very gentle dusting over the soil, and even just gently till it in if you want to with a you know little rake or something, just yep. to to get it into the soil and break it up. And and it will work much better for you. A, a very safe fertilizer to use on natives. Otherwise, you can go and get specific native fertilizers for your you know and and Diosmas and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, blood and bones are good all-round general safe fertilizer
0: to use on natives. Right, excellent. We've got Dennis now from Belmont, and he's got a question about pruning his camellias. Good afternoon, Dennis. How can we help you?
4: Good afternoon, Scott. Um, I've got a number of camellia sessantus, I think yes, they're called.
1: Yes, sessantus—that's the small-leaf one. Yes,
4: yeah. um, and they're probably what's that? Three metres high, um, and then there's a gap in the centre of all of them. Um, so, can I chop them? To- well, trim
1: them down, prune them. <laughs> yes, you can. I like the way you changed your uh, your language then from, <laughs> cho- from chop to prune. Very, very nicely done. You caught it just in time, just in time. Uh, because, uh, yeah, look, with a pr- uh, camellia, though, I mean, you can almost chop and hack at them if you want to because they're a fairly tough plant. Uh, uh, but that said, uh, you know, a, a bit of tender, loving care never hurt anyone, especially me. <laughs> And Greg apparently as well. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to do it, make sure you, try, you know, just do it a little bit nicely with some nice sharp, uh, you know, lopping um, you know, pruners or yep. a nice sharp saw or whatever. Uh, so, yes, you can go fairly heavy, though, with your camellia. Uh, they're very good at springing back. Uh, now is the time to do it as oh, well. fantastic. Um, yeah, you're probably going to tell us you've already gone and done it, haven't you, when you chopped it <laughs> over? No, 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 no. And a gardenia, that's the same? Yeah, absolutely absolutely the same with a gardenia. You can be fairly heavy with a gardenia too. Uh, look, again, probably a good time to do it uh, because you've only got two or three weeks now before the heat starts to uh, yeah, come back yeah. for spring, so you'll get some growth. Otherwise, it's just really going to sit there dormant, so... Uh, you know, this weekend, next weekend, a uh, great time to get out and prune, you know, camellias, yes. gardenias, and uh, they'll be in a little bit of shock for a little while. Um, but then after a couple of weeks, I'll come back for you. Make sure all you're doing is watering them. No fertiliser, though.
4: Yep. And after that, the gardenia, um, I've never had a complete flower on it. They, they form, as in buds, but then they die off and just drop down. Um, what issue
1: would that be? Any idea? Camellias can get a a little bud weevil in them, uh, and you'd find that if you inspected the bud, you'd see some holes in there or some browning off. Uh, The other thing is the old sulphate of potash. Uh, You can just promote and make stronger flowers uh, by using sulphate of potash. Uh, Mate, if they're in the ground, uh, camellias and uh, gardenias love cow manure, so just a, a general good feeding of cow manure is going to work wonders for both of those plants. And what would I spray it with? Uh, For the bud weevil, I would just be using a a pyrethrum spray, uh, just generally keeping scale and uh, those little weevils under control. But I think, uh, you know, promoting a healthy plant is the way to go. So some cow manure for those two uh, varieties of plant. Uh, Don't do it, of course, after you've just pruned uh, because you will put the plant into too much shock. But let's say, you know, three to four weeks uh, after you've pruned and you're seeing some nice growth coming back on, that's the time when you would uh, actually go and give them some cow manure just to try and, uh, you know, sort of
0: boost their general healthiness up.
4: Uh, great. Thanks very much, gentlemen.
1: Okay. Um, see you again, Scott. Okay. Thanks very much, Dennis. Have a nice Bye. afternoon.
0: Bye. Yeah, I talk back on to you when you are at FM. We've got time for a couple more calls, and we've got Bill from Lawn and he's got a question about agapanthers. He's also got another question as well about poisoning grass, but we'll get to the agapanthers first, yeah. think. Hello, Bill. How can we help you with it?
5: Good afternoon, guys. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Um, I've got a a front fence which has got a, an amazing growth of agapanthers on it, and it's starting to encroach onto the front, onto the uh, onto the footpath. I was wondering if I could sort of hit it with a my edger and sort of take it back to some sort of reasonable state.
1: Yeah, that I'm just thinking about. An edge. you're just sort of just going to cut along the the front of it. What what about the tubers though? The the roots, uh, you know, those they start to get those heavy tubers, sort of roots on them. That would, do you think your edge will be able to do that?
5: Uh, possibly, yeah, possibly.
1: Now, I, I was just out before I came in. I was talking to a fellow called Kev Kellaway, who we gave some very timely advice about agapanthus last week. Uh, To him, Uh, he was complaining to me a week later that his back's still very sore because he was at it with the matic. Uh, Look, he might be a bit soft. I don't know. That just could be the case, but we we won't go down that path with him. But I I would think that might be a way to do it. You know, you just need to get the matic almost and and chip away at those tubers and just pull them back a little bit from your grass. Uh, If you think, you know, give a try with your edger and see what happens. But. I think you might just have to get a little bit more hardcore than that and just chip away with the mattock to try and reduce yep. that uh, those tubers that start to grow up.
5: Yep, okay. Now, I I put some um, Bendita in a, a 5 uh spray. Yes. Uh, and I didn't realise that I'd filled it to the top. I was called away and i come back and I said, oh, yeah, I had the froth on the top. I said, oh, well, I must have filled it. And I went out and and... Touched it up again. I'd already hit it once, and I've basically killed patches um, on the front on my front lawn. Um, I was wondering what I could do.
1: Yeah. So what you, you think it was just too strong? Do you? That... Well, I will guarantee it. Yeah. Guaranteed. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, look, you know, you know what I'd do with that. I, I would go and get some top dress and just top dress those areas. Uh, yep. maybe just lightly rake them over to break them up because chances are that it's going to be dead there uh the root system still might be alive but the best bit for you is to lightly top dress those areas and yep. uh try and promote the other grass just to grow in and fill that space back up again
5: yeah and that's you can't sort of get sort of run a fork through it and then throw some grass seed down and water it
1: and whatever yeah look you could you could do that as well uh but i I really think just putting some top dress on there will uh, because top dress is full of poultry manure as well so it's going to promote the you know if there's any life left in the root system to spring back up and it's also going to promote the grass around it to come back and and fill in that gap so I, i think that would be the best way to go for you yep okay Okay. okay. And look, we're getting into the warmer months again, hopefully, now that we're into August. Uh, the weekend was a great sign of that. So, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks is going to be the time to do that. You don't want to sort of just leave it um, as it is because sometimes the weed can get in there and, and take over. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you want sure. to try and promote sure. the, the grass to spread back in. It, it could be that you even, um, you know, put some top rest there and then get some grass seed and sort of till that back into that soil and try and get that to, to work for you. Uh, But I I think putting some additional soil there is going to be the best way to uh, to kick-start your grass for you again. So you
5: can buy grass seed from... um...
1: Yeah, yeah, from... Yeah, from any garden centre you can get some grass seed. Uh, you can yep. get all the you know the fancy varieties. Of course, you can't get buffalo because it's a sterile seed. Uh, a lot of grass seeds have got a mixture in there, so you have a, you know fescue, rye. Uh, it sort of comes up very quickly, and then the slower growing ones will come up behind that. the The fescue will die off, uh, and then you're left with that green uh, grass again. But uh, yep. yeah, yeah, give it a try okay. and see what happens.
5: I'll give it a whirl. Thank you very much okay. for your
0: advice. Good on you, Bill. Thanks. Have a nice afternoon.
5: You too.
0: Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bill. And that is all I've got left regarding Talkback this week. I've run out of time. run out of time. It just flew by today. It did too. We'll have to get some callers back again next week, though, if you missed out. That'd be fantastic. Excellent. Scott Sharp, I'll catch you again next week regarding Talkback on Two NURFM. Thanks for listening
1: to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care and travel.